0: We
1: can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. 17 minutes after 12 o'clock, we're having a bit of a party in the studio ahead of the Super Rugby Final later tonight. Lots of moving and shaking from me, of course. You are. I've got the rhythm. The style, I've got the grace, and you've got the finger wag, Grant. That's the extent of your uh, dancing ability. Superb stuff. Uh, we welcome in a very special guest now, all part of our Saturday session Legends segment in association with Somerset. Uh, we are delighted to welcome in a multifaceted, multidimensional, and outstanding athlete who's uh, forged quite the career. To say her career is unique would be quite the understatement, and certainly one of the uh, talented athletes of our generation, I would argue, a former world mountain running champ from 2005 within the space of three or four years. Injuries forced her uh, down a different career path. Uh, triathlon ended up uh, seeing her represent New Zealand at the Olympic Games and let's not forget before that world mountain running championship uh, she was a very fine track and field star and then just for shits and giggles towards the end I'll become a very good uh, ro- uh, sorry elite cyclist. Uh, we can only be talking about Kate McElroy who joins us from somewhere sunny, we do hope. Kate, thanks so much for joining us here on SCNZ. Uh,
0: No problem. Good afternoon.
1: Where are you at the moment?
0: Um, I'm in Christchurch, actually.
1: Ah, right. Red and black country. Hey. I, I'm sure there's yeah, no talk of yeah. super rugby down there. I'm sure there's no talk about
0: it. <laughs> no, none at all. None at all. No, don't worry. I'm still a very loyal So um, Excellent. Anyway, always stay loyal to the North Island for sure.
1: What was Kate McElroy at the Rugrat, like, charging around, getting into sport? What What are your earliest memories of sport? Your uh, competition in sport, that is.
0: Yeah, honestly, I think it's probably running around Mount Victoria. Like, I just loved, that was pretty much on our doorstep at home, and um, it was me charging after my older brother and trying to beat him, really. That was probably where I realised I was competitive, and everything I did it was to, to beat him and be better. Um, but I just huh. loved running. Huh. I loved running through mud, um, over fences, and that was probably where cross-country came into it. Um, yeah, anything where I could be put against the boys, um, you know, it was a wicked challenge, and I was always up for it. And, um, yeah, took it, full, took it head on.
2: Hey, Kate, it's uh, Grant here. Thanks for coming on the show. It's great to have you. Um, I, that was going to be my question is, you know, at school, I picture you as being one of those girls just smashing everyone in the class, all the boys, all the girls, and being almost sort of 50 to 100 metres ahead of everyone. Is that where the love um, of, of your sport came?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I actually um, I've actually got a funny photo from, I went to Hataitai Primary School, and I desperately wanted to play hockey, um, but there was no girls' team, and there was only a boys' team, so I wasn't allowed. And um, on the day of school photos for the hockey team, I went and plonked myself on the bench, for the photo, um, even though I wasn't in the team, but I was obviously trying to prove a point that I should have been in there. Um, so I think it probably <laughs> sort of gives some sort of, um, I don't know, little look into the future about sort of where I was going to go. Um, and then it, then I ended up going to an all girls school and secondary school, and I was that kid that was always out, way out the front on those cross country days where most <laughs> of the girls weren't interested in running, you know. <laughs> and I sort of would bolt off out the start line and yeah, I would be way out the front, and I loved it. And, you know, I'd run full gas the whole way. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, so it's sort of just always been inbuilt in me for some reason.
1: Were you a good loser, though? You're ultra competitive. You ought to beat everyone. You can't win every race. As a youngster, were you good at you know, you know, dealing with um, the downs? Because your professional <laughs> career has obviously presented you with lots of challenges, which we'll get into. But, you know, did, did you cope well with yeah. losing?
0: No, it's a good question, actually. To be honest, I, I won a, a lot of my races through school, and the biggest disappointment for me was um, National Secondary School Champs one year, where I'd won the year before, and I came in the reigning champ, and I came fourth, and it was I was distraught. You know, I didn't actually know how to cope with it, because I'd only ever won. Um, so that was probably my first experience of actually having to deal with it and having to be, you know graceful to my competitors and um, show humbleness <laughs> and actually learn that skill because I, as ridiculous as it sounded, I had always won. So it was like, wow, this is, I don't like being in and I don't want it to happen again. So, um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it was definitely the first taste of dealing with that for sure.
2: Kate, to do what you do, you need a lot of resilience. Um, I guess a lot of people would say it's more mental than physical. But where do you think that, that, I guess, that mental aptitude for um, long-distance sports or endurance sports started?
0: I just think I was just always naturally drawn to it and was naturally good at it. So I was potentially born with pretty good set of lungs. <laughs> <laughs> so I gravitated towards, you know, I'd have no fast-twitch fibres. My sprinting was really average. <laughs> um, yeah, I wish I could have been a sprinter, but um, you know, Flo jo, when I was younger was my hero. <laughs> um, and the, oh, know, did totally you have the spandex
1: day. look? Did did you have the hooded spandex yeah, kit too? Did you wander down the streets of hard tie tie like that?
0: I did. I I think I rocked. Tried to mimic her exact tights. Um, didn't have the long nails that she used to um, have on on race day, but yeah, like she was she was my hero for a few years, which is crazy because I wasn't remotely a sprinter. Um. And then, obviously, that'll change with <laughs> how her career changed, but, um, yeah, I was just always gravitated towards the longer th- the longer events. We used to run the dog, run the block, and things like that, so I just enjoyed it. It was never forced upon me, like, oh, you know, my parents were never said to me, "Oh you know we think you should be a runner, or you should go training." I just did it, um, yeah, and I think mum and Dad to this day are still um they don't they don't really know. I mean, Dad was a good athlete, mum was a pretty good swimmer, but it was just there and it's um and I just always sort of yeah just one thing led to another So sort of one you know achieve something like oh now I want to you know if I won a local cross-country race now it's like now I want to try and win nationals or and, but it was never it was always my ideas and I think that's probably the key the most important point through my whole career that was always driven from me.
1: As far as Well, there were big raps on you coming through the the system. You've talked about it. Uh, You did a lot of winning junior athlete, I think, of the the year you were during your your high school years, it might have been. But uh, I'm just trying to move on to the the World Mountain Running Champs. I think it was 2005. Uh, That's probably when you sort of announced yourself to, you know, the New Zealand um, sporting community with somewhat of an unexpected win in front of your own fans. From what I remember, Kate, and please tell me, Like mountain running, you'd hardly done it, right? But you decided, I know, this event's in New Zealand, I'll I'll give it a go, and you go on and win the darn thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, You know, it was actually, it was in Wellington. You know, I heard the World Mountain Running Champs were in my hometown. I thought that would be pretty amazing to be involved with that. And the biggest um, part that I had to to qualify, so I needed to, uh, I think, finish in the top one or two at our national champs. So I was like, well... The course was in Mount on Mount Victoria. You know, I'd run on those tracks my whole life. Obviously it was slightly different to so just running through the tracks. It was actually running from Oriental Bay to the top of the mountain and back. But um, I thought I might as well give it a go. So I first I had qualified first and I got beaten by Melissa Moon by you know, she beat me by minutes, maybe five or six minutes. Um, you know, she comes from amazing mountain running pedigree, but I was selected for the team. So then that gave me a wicked goal for the next six months to try and get really fit and to see how good I could be. And I'd never, had never put myself up against those other mountain runners. I didn't even know who they were. I didn't know their ability. But <laughs> I um, just thought, well, oh, well, my main goal, to be honest, after the mountain running champs was to qualify for the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne. So yeah. I was actually – this was just a really good – um, the event fitted well with timing With my build up, with a good strength phase And I thought oh, well, I'll do a world mountain running Champs. If that goes well, that's a bonus And then for basically the Com games Was the main goal after that And I just, it was just the first time In my life I'd had a completely Flawless build up, you know my biggest problem Through my whole career was the lack of Consistency through injury And it was the first time in my life I wasn't Injured, so I'd got a new coach John Bowden um, the program he gave me, looking back on it, was incredible, but also completely insane. Um, <laughs> and I either made you or it broke you. Like it was, you know, the training I did was nuts. But it, you know, for that time, it, it made me. You know, I didn't get injured. And I came, I was on the start line for World Mountain Running Champ in the best shape of my life. And I, I didn't know I was capable of winning it. I didn't go in there thinking you know, I can beat these girls. But I went in there with the confidence that I knew it had a wicked build-up um, and what will be, will be.
2: Well, Kate, it sounds like that was almost a catalyst for what was to come in your, your career. And in 2006, you then represented New Zealand at the Commonwealth Games. You finished fifth in the steeplechase, the 3,000-metre steeplechase.
1: Yeah, running, water, jumping. <laughs> in, getting, didn't, get muddy, didn't get muddy on the track, though.
2: But, <laughs> and then, a, a, And three years later... You started competing in triathlon yeah, and you so almost rich. replicated what you did with mountain running. You won the World Cup race in Hungary. So what what changed in, I guess, the, the four years where you were chopping and changing into um, different aspects of um, endurance?
0: Yeah, look, I mean, I could never have scripted <laughs> the way my career went. But, um, you know, running was always my true love. And if I could still be a runner now, I think I would be. But my body did had other things to say about that and it just started breaking down I had huge problems with my Achilles tendons and they had been a problem since I was about 17 and i learned to manage them um, you know it would phases when they were great and phases when they were terrible and um, they essentially just got worse and worse and worse and then I had a problem called Hagen Syndrome which is basically a big bulge on your heel bone um, and that essentially stopped me from running on the track um, and I knew I was meant to qualify for the Beijing Olympics steeplechase, and I had to prove fitness a few months out and my 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 heel my Achilles was not in a good state at all and I couldn't complete the fitness test and I knew deep down that that was the end of my running career on the track um, so I um, was at a bit of a loss like I was 27 and I was like well I've had a pretty good career but i still don't feel fulfilled because i haven't been to mm. the olympics which has always been my childhood dream and because i'd swum a little bit as a as a kid to a, like i was competitive but not amazing at it um triathlon had always been in the back of my head about giving it a go at some stage and i thought well it's now or never if i don't switch now i'm going to be in my 30s and it's too late so I just made the change myself. I didn't actually even really talk to anyone. I didn't want people to say, oh, that's ridiculous. What are you doing now? <laughs> so um, I sort of secretly started training, to be honest. Um, I got myself a triathlon coach, Greg Frane. And, um, yeah, and look, I, it just went from one small event to another, like the local series in Wellington, where I think I can second in my first race. But I was really lucky to be picked up by Triathlon New Zealand really early on. And that was just because of my running background. They knew I could run a pretty quick 10K. So they were then willing to put the time into me to develop my swimming and biking. So I then was, uh, I traveled to Europe with them in my first year. So obviously never having competed overseas in triathlon. I think I finished third at um, National Champs in New Zealand. So nothing earth shattering, but they, they took a punch on me, to be honest. And that fast-tracked me effectively. And um, I think four or five months later, I won my first World Cup. So, you oh, know, oh. I also put huge, huge amounts of pressure on myself to make it in the first year because I was conscious of my age. I was conscious that um, I think you're yeah, at that time where everyone says, you know, when are you get a proper job? You know, you're, <laughs> you're sort of, when are you going to stop being an athlete? And it was like, oh, sorry, how am I going to tell people now that I've switched sports? I don't mm-hmm. even know if I'm going to be good at it. But now I've actually got to prove that I can actually make a living out of it. So I gave myself a year to be good. And if it didn't work, I was going to stop. So And it did. <laughs> so Brilliant. it sort of slowed on from there.
1: And, of course, you, you ultimately um, fulfil that dream by competing in an Olympic Games and triathlon. But it, it, And your cycling developed to such a level you were able to compete in cycling, standalone cycling events, which, which is stunning. But the, the swimming, you know, it's... You did a bit of swimming probably at Kilverney Pool, but it's slightly different to jumping in the ocean with feral triathletes around you in the Olympic drowning competition it always looks like to me over the first 100 metres. You, are you a natural ocean swimmer? Because I'd, I'd heard whispers that you, you, you actually were quite the opposite. <laughs> you Obviously, hated the ocean. But... <laughs> you hated the ocean, right? I, oh
0: no, I had a fear of fish. Like, legit fear. And so <laughs> the... The biggest laugh on me was the fact that now as a triathlete, obviously having to swim in the ocean, all my family and friends were like, "What are you doing? Like you've actually, I uh, legitimately <laughs> scared of fish." And I was like, "I know, I don't, I don't know." But um, honestly, can I ask I, you
1: like, this? How did you what? cope then when a when a shark was spotted in Wellington Harbour and the Dominion Post put an a, a fake shark on their back page? It wasn't the shark, right? It was just any shark. Oh. and the most menacing thing. I heard a whisper that that turned you off swimming for a bit of a bit of time. Is that correct?
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's not even the sharks in Wellington Harbour. It's the orca whales that come in all the time. <laughs> you know, and you're like far out <laughs> I was swimming in there yesterday. Um, yeah, look, I don't know. Obviously, I had to flick the switch somewhere. But yeah. um, it, it's actually one of the qualifying races for the Olympics in, in Sydney, we had um, we we were swam right next to the um, the Sydney Opera House, and there were. Divers under the water with spear guns to shoot any sharks while we're swimming. So oh, weird! <laughs> There's a part of it where you thought, oh, "No, I'm safe." But it's like actually, this is crazy, you know? This is Bugger that! that. <laughs> Bugger that. Yeah. that.
2: Did, did you did you do what I used to do in the ocean in South Africa, Kate? Just make sure someone was in front of you. <laughs> you didn't want to yeah, be first.
0: A, a, absolutely, and I think, or oh, I'd always have my eyes closed. I've never had my eyes open looking down. Because I just would like just terrify me what I could possibly see, but I I was never a good enough swimmer to be out the front, so I always had that safety net of a whole lot of triathletes <laughs> around me, and I was like, well, if they're going to get one of us, they're going to get all of us. <laughs> <together."> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like a scene yeah. of Jaws.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, but
0: the start of a the start of a triathlon swim, the swim start is absolutely insane, and it is, isn't I. It? Um, yeah, and it, it, it actually is it's quite horrible because you then all obviously converge into one boy, and so you end up on top of each other. If you're not fast enough, then you get pulled under and you get kicked on and you hear your head pushed down. Like, So it, it made me realize how important your swim has to be to be good. Yeah. So I actually spent the first year of my triathlon career basically focusing on swimming. I think I swam nine to ten times a week just to get it up to speed. But I was, the thing that worked for me was I was naturally a better swimmer in the open water Mm. than in the pool. Like a lot of pool swimmers don't, it doesn't always translate to the open water, but I I was better in the open water than I was in the pool. And I learned to draft really, really quickly how to sit on people's feet, how to sit on people's hips, Um, because I didn't want to make a fool of myself. You know, I just like, I can't come out of the water last and be chasing. And it was my, and I was actually pretty good. I actually would always come out in the lead pack most of the time, um, you know. But it was it was probably the first eighteen months of literally looking at the bottom of the pool, Kambuni pool, and then we went overseas working on my technique, just getting the endurance and swimming. Like it's the biggest thing with swimming is, is the technical aspect um, and how detailed it is, and how just a small change in the way your hand enters the water you know, can adjust how fast you're going dramatically. So it was learning all those minute details and breaking my stroke down almost every day with my coach at the time, Tim Brazier. Um, yeah, and it, it helped. It was, you know, it was crazy. And I went from just making front pack to comfortably making front pack and feeling and comp- confident on yeah. the start line.
1: Amazing. At cycling, um, you know, it's filled a lot of your career in the, in the latter years and great success, a lot of road cycling success. Was that um, just a natural evolution? Hey, I do this in triathlon. I want to see how far I can push myself in this too. Were you bored? You're sick of running, sick of swimming. I'll just, I'll just see how, how, how far I can go on a bike and how quickly I can go on a bike.
0: <laughs> Honestly, that that was never really meant to happen. But I, my cycling became really good because I was always injured. Even with, through triathlon, there were big chunks of time when I couldn't run. I always had, it was tearing my calves a lot. So I, we would um, pick up my cycling training instead. And replicate run sessions on the bike, so my cycling naturally became a lot stronger. And I loved—I learned to love the bike. Like I'd never ridden a bike until properly until I was twenty-seven, and so I started triathlon. And you yeah, just through time, it became probably became my strongest discipline. And then um, when I stopped doing triathlon, I actually got a proper job, as people say, <laughs> in an office zero, and which was great. But I just missed that. Um, I couldn't, I'd had a big injury. I'd ripped my hammy, hamstring off the bone. So I was then sitting oh. in an office and I was like, well, I can't run, I can't swim, but I could, I could still bite. So <laughs> that was my outlet. And then.
1: Like, do you ever I sit down? Like, do you ever lie down on a couch? <laughs> like, seriously, do you ever have a lazy day?
0: <laughs> Honestly, I do. I promise. I promise. <laughs> I promise. I, I bet you're activity. the
1: type of person who gets up during the opening credits of a movie and goes do something. I'm bored. <laughs> I'm not sitting here. I'm going for a walk.
0: It's a learned skill, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what next? You're never going to lose this competitive drive, Kate. It, that, that's ringing very loud in my ears. So what,
0: yeah, what's, I, what, what over not... the next 10,
1: 20 years do you think you can do?
0: It's a good question. I'm actually currently 28 weeks pregnant, so um, that's oh, slowed congratulations!
1: Me down. Congratulations, yeah,
0: thank Kat. you. That's, that's slowed awesome. me down considerably. Um, <laughs> like, I, I actually can't exercise, I can walk, and even walking is uncomfortable. So, my life has gone from a lot of sport, a lot of exercise per week, to pretty much nothing. Um, which has been very hard to get my head around that, but I'm growing a small human, so that's okay. Yeah, um, yeah, that's okay, but. Yeah, look, I, I don't know. Like, I'm actually looking at branching into coaching. Really want I've got enough experience over quite a few different sports to actually give back. And actually, I, I love helping athletes achieve what they want to. And I think I've had enough setbacks and known how to get fit so many times, like starting from scratch, that I'd like to sort of pass that on. But I'd also like to, like, I still love cycling. I'd love to get back into running if I could, like some more yeah. trail running events, the longer endurance events. Just stuff that's a little bit different to what I've done, and sort of still presents the challenge to me. So there'll be there'll be some events that pop up that will tickle my fancy. <laughs> but at the moment, I'm just actually I'm actually enjoying having no pressure to be on the start line or to do any training, and to just yeah, just sort of be a little bit normal.
2: Okay, <laughs> well, Kate, Kate. When I look at your career, you're the first female to go under four hours at the Ta- Taupo um, Road Race, but What I want to know, and uh, something that we see a lot of similarity in um, with our Legends chat, is just the love of the sport and actually giving back. And they spend a lot of time in the sport. They've developed a real love for the sport. And we can see that you have and and hear it in your voice. What would the young Kate McElroy say to, um, or sorry, the current Kate McElroy say to the young uh, Kate McElroy when she was named New Zealand Sportswoman of the Year at Halberg's Awards? How would you describe you should maybe plan your career because you've had setbacks, but that's where you've obviously developed the character that you now have to go into coaching. But would you do it any differently?
0: Hmm, that's, that's a really good question. I, I think the biggest thing that, and I think now that I'm older and I um, haven't been in the like high, high performance scene for maybe a year or two, the biggest thing I carried through everything was I had a, a crazy amount of self-belief mm. and that was never, it was never anyone saying, Oh, you're a really good athlete. It was just in me. And that yeah. got me through every, got mm. me through every injury. And I always said to myself, if only I can get back injury free and healthy, I know I can be one of the best in the world. Like I never, I never doubted it. And I, um, yeah. And I, I think if I didn't have that, then there's no way I could have achieved what I did. And I think a lot of kids coming through these days lack a bit of confidence. And it's like, you have to be confident to try and be, you know, right up there, competitive against the best guys or girls in the world. And you just got to back yourself. Yeah,
1: great words. Um, great advice. Great career. Thanks so much for joining us, Kate. Um, good luck with the uh probably the most exciting chapter in your life, uh, becoming a mother shortly. We wish you and your family all the success. But thank you for everything you've done over the last uh, generation. um, And uh, we look forward to seeing, you know, you back on the start line eventually somewhere.
2: Thanks a lot, Kate. That that young young child that you are bringing up at the moment is going to be, or going to, is going to be unbelievably lucky to have someone instill confidence in them and the self-belief that we heard that you had uh, during your career. So um, thank you very much for coming on the show.
0: No problem. It's been great to chat.
1: Thanks. All the best. Kate McElroy, our Saturday session legend in association with Somerset. Thank you, friends. New laughs. And a new home. I think Somerset Retirement Villages, somerset.co.nz. Wow, what a career.
2: I just love what she said at the end about self-belief. There's not many Kiwi athletes that talk about how much they actually back themselves. But she did. She, she fully backed herself um, and her ability before every, every event. And, I mean, you can see what she achieved. A lot. Just chopping and changing between events and backing herself that she was going to perform. Um, it's unbelievable skill to have. I wanted to actually get a little bit deeper and ask, how is she going to teach that, you know, when she goes into coaching? That's
1: a really good question, isn't it? Uh, we will take a short break, though. we are going to get to Clayton on the team, the good oil. Oh. Uh, after the uh, break, it's 18 minutes away from one.
0: For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.